Cowboys wide receiver C.D. Lamb warned us of a potentially game-breaking matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. And tonight, we'll get into it. Here we go. What is up, everyone? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez. Streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me. Thank you so much for joining the show on this Tuesday night, which is a perfect night to talk some Cowboys football. And the script for tonight's show, let me show you a little bit of a pick at it. Uh, we're going to talk about CD Lamp warning us about a game-breaking matchup that the Cowboys have on store for a Thursday night. We're going to talk a little bit about what Aaron Rodgers said about Dak Prescott because if you missed it, believe me, it is worth a listen. We're, we're going to take a listen to what Aaron said about a Cowboys quarterback and just, just how uh, impressive Dak has been overall. We're going to talk about Dayron Bland and his best next shot at a pick six because you look at the schedule and I do believe it might come sooner than many expect. And finally, we will close out the show with the one cool thing as we do every Tuesday night. Uh, what is up, everyone? Welcome into the show. Thank you so much. Uh, let me see some of your comments here. I did not know that about Charlie Munger, Toxic. You you caught me off guard. That is impressive. Uh, not impressive, but like certain, maybe not even surprising. But I was not expecting that news to be dropped in the YouTube chat. Uh, Charlie Munger, the famous Warren Buffett partner, uh, um, for for you know, in the investing world, passed away. Apparently, I did not know that. Uh, you you that was a little bit you know, caught me off guard. You guys know that I love finance, and that's that's definitely somebody that I learned a lot from. So that that's crazy. But anyways, let's move on here with the show, and let's talk some Cowboys football. CeeDee Lamb, obviously one of the stars of the Cowboys 2023 season, and even though his historic 10-catch, 150-yard streak came to an end in Week 11 against the Carolina Panthers, uh, understandably so. It would have been crazy to expect that to keep going for an extended period of time. You know, that's why it was NFL history. That's why his gloves and his towel that broke the record are currently in Canton, Ohio, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So we didn't expect any of that to continue. We know that, however, the Cowboys still should continue to feed CeeDee Lamb consistently on their offense because he's their playmaker, whether it's throwing him the football or even designing some touches for him in the running game, number 88 should get the football in his hands. On Thursday night, it might be a little bit tougher than many expect to make that happen because the Eagles might, the Seahawks, excuse me, might not stand out for many as a top tier pass defense. They are 14th in the NFL in pass EPA per play, which is closer to, to average than it is to a lit. However, they do have a very interesting duo at cornerback, and that is Devon Witherspoon, the rookie, 
and that is Tariq Woolen. Both of these guys have established themselves as one of the best cornerback duos in the entire NFL. And CeeDee Lamb knows about it and he warns us about it in a recent interview uh, with reporters. Let me show you the full quote here. Uh, basically what CeeDee Lamb said, first of all, they are tall and they are fast. And he was talking about those cornerbacks that they've got over there in Seattle. And he said, that's like game breaking. Having that type of length on the outside, it is easy for them. And you really got to work your technique against those guys. Boy, is he right. Devon Witherspoon and Tyreek Woolen have really emerged as one of the best duos in the league. And they are very young, too. Uh, you're talking about a group of guys that includes the number four, high, number four highest graded cornerback in the NFL for pro football focus in Devon Witherspoon. And I know what you're thinking. PFF grades, subjective. That is true. But he is also uh, number four in pass breakups, has nine of them so far. 24th in passer rating allowed. And that might sound not that high, but when you're talking about every cornerback in the NFL, it is definitely pretty high. And you can see it on tape. Devon Witherspoon can move outside, he can play inside, and he can really be a headache for opposing receivers. Now, Tariq Woolen is a little bit different. Uh, he is in the top 50 in PFF grades, but nobody grades better than he does in man coverage. Now, the Seahawks do not play a whole lot of man coverage, but when they decide to do it, Tariq Woolen might be one of the best that there is in the entire NFL. He has been targeted nine times in 45 Man coverage snaps for PFF. He has allowed three catches in those nine targets for just 16 yards. You're talking about a group of guys that I am looking forward for real. I am looking forward to their battle against the Cowboys wide receivers. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to be an easy matchup, or at least it shouldn't be. And I do think it starts with Devon Witherspoon. Uh, it starts with him. He has taken the league by storm. Such a young player. Has all of the physical traits. We knew that entering the NFL draft, obviously. Uh, but now we've seen that come to fruition very quickly, which is impressive always for any rookie cornerback. We saw it last year maybe with Sauce Gardner. We saw it a little bit with Patrick Sortain. But now that we're seeing Devon Witherspoon uh, have all of this you know, put together so quickly has been just insane and one of the things that really impresses me the most about his play is that he's got basically a 50 50 split in snaps in between the inside and the outside so we're you're talking about a guy that can really exchange roles within the flow of a game but he mostly does it from on, on a week to week basis he's got some games where he will spend most of the time in the slot that happened against, for example, off the top of my head, the Rams. It happened against the Bengals when they had a fantastic outing against Cincinnati. And yeah, maybe some of that was Joe Burrow still being hurt from the calf, but it was also a very good effort defensively for the Seahawks. But you can also see him play out wide for the most part, like he did last Thursday night against the San Francisco 49ers. I'm not exactly sure how they'll go about things with CeeDee Lamb specifically. But I do know that if CD goes to the slot, 
Witherspoon could follow him. If they decide to play man coverage and maybe even double him, Tyreek Woolen might be the guy on the outside. And if you are the Cowboys, there's one thing that you know, and that is that for CD to be the version of CD that really went off for those few weeks where he was getting 10 catches every game and 150 receiving yards, he needs to move around. I love CD Lamp in this lot. He dominates in this lot. But a lot of those big-time plays that we saw during that run were when he was on the outside or when he was even isolated, specifically in those three-by-one looks where you've got three pass catchers to one side of the formation, and then you've got 88 on the other side. And then he will basically get more one-on-one looks when you do that just because it is more difficult to live in that bracket world when you have a three-by-one formation that you're dealing with. So the Cowboys are not going to go into this one trying to get CD in the slot most of the time because I think that, one, the Seahawks can really adjust to that, but also they, as an offense, should want to move CD around throughout the entire game. But whether it's Woolen or whether it is Witherspoon, the Seahawks have some dudes at cornerback, and I am very excited about that entering uh, this upcoming Thursday game that the Cowboys have in store. Now, when it is not Witherspoon at nickel, maybe the Seahawks do have a little bit of a downgrade at the position, but they do have uh, Julian Love, who spends a lot of time there. They do have Jamal Adams, who as a safety will spend a lot of the, a lot of time in the slot. I don't think that Jamal Adams against CD is a good matchup for the Seahawks, so I would assume that as much as they can, when CD is inside, they're going to try to put Devon in him. And if he's outside, whether it's Woolen or whether it is CD, that should work, uh, excuse me, uh, Devon, that should quote-unquote work for, for Seattle. And when I say quote-unquote, I mean if CD is the guy that we think he is, then I don't believe that there is any cornerback group that should be able to hold him down for an entire game. But maybe the Cowboys need to be prepared to get the offense going in other areas and not just force feeding number 88. Let me read you this stat pretty quickly. This is from George Jarger, who shared on Twitter that Devon has had six games with less than 25 yards allowed in coverage this season. Six games with less than 25 yards allowed. And you can talk about the quarterback schedule. And I believe that's before before the Niners game where he probably did allow more than that. Uh, But again, you're probably talking about a quarterback schedule that has favored the Seahawks. But Devon Witherspoon has been absolutely legit. I'm excited about that matchup. Whether it's Woolen, whether it's Devon on number 88, I am super excited about it. Now, CeeDee did say, and this is something that is going to be a theme throughout the entire season, throughout the rest of it, Hey, if you double me, then you're disrespecting Brandon Cooks and you're disrespecting Michael Gallup and maybe Jalen Tolbert too. Uh, But it is a group of wide receivers that is really, really starting to get going beyond number 88 only. We saw Brandon Cooks have that double move type route again against the Washington Commanders where he scored. I'm not exactly sure if it was a double move, if I'm being honest with you, but it does. I'm trying to remember I think it was where he kind of like breaks up field and then goes to the left corner of the end zone. Sounds from the sideline, which is 
a very popular video that the Cowboys put out every single week where it's kind of like a mic'd up segment. In Sounds from the Sideline, we actually learned that Brandon talked to the coaching staff and was like, include this in the game plan, right? He wanted that included in the game plan because he knew he, it would work. So we're going to see, we're, we're, we're going to probably keep seeing Brandon Cooks and the Cowboys really get going offensively beyond just number 88. I will say one more thing before I get to the comments here very quickly. The one area where the Seahawks probably do not match up very well against Dallas is they are bad tacklers. And I'm talking about coverage-wise. They are bad tacklers. I believe that we're going to see a lot of big plays after the catch on this one. Because maybe Witherspoon and Woolen are pretty good in coverage. When, when you do get a catch against them, sometimes they do struggle a whole lot to bring their man down. And if we're talking about finding success away from Devon and away from, Wither, uh, from Woolen, then that area is probably the middle of the field. Whether we are talking about safeties or mostly linebackers, Cowboys could find some favorable matchups in there. And I would expect that to be a big part of Thursday night's game. And also screen passes. You, I don't know if you saw that game, but that Cleveland-Seattle game earlier in the season, they got killed by screen passes. The Seahawks did. The Cowboys have been very selective with when they run screens. Uh, we have not seen as many of them as we had in previous years. But Thursday night football could be a heavy screen game for the Cowboys offense. I'm actually pretty intrigued as to they will tap into that, uh, especially after recently seeing some success with it. The Rico Dowdle touchdown in Thanksgiving was perfectly executed. You saw, you saw uh, Tyler Smith get to his block. You saw Sack Martin destroy somebody. It was a great execution. So I, I do look forward to seeing if the Cowboys tap into that or not. Uh, Tommy915 says, we suck at screens, Mo. Maybe it's been an inconsistent year in that area, but at least against the Commanders, man, that was a perfectly ran play. Uh, looking forward to seeing what they do with that. Toxic says, as long as it is not like the Bears last night with their wide receiver screens, that game was awful. Man, but that, <laughs> that was like 99% of Justin Fields' quote-unquote dropbacks, wasn't it? You know, the passing chart for, for Justin Fields was otherworldly after last night's game, where he was just, as, as uh, Toxic says, just wide receiver screen to the right. That was the one of the 50% of their playbook for that game. The other 50% was wide receiver screen to the left. And then only when they absolutely needed a big gain did he target DJ Moore over the middle of the field and got that play that allowed them to win the game. Crazy game, not in the good way. Like, just crazy... Bizarre might be the word for it. It was so weird. Um, I don't know why, why I was watching that late at night. I shouldn't have been watching that stuff right there. Uh, let's see here. John Jones says, I will be at the game. Shout out to you, sir. Shout out to you. Enjoy it. Cam says, we've got defense, Mo. Defense in the front, says Cam. And I do know that a lot of people, man, and I understand it. And I think the Cowboys might even think that themselves that this is a defensive first operation. You know, that might be fair just because the Cowboys do have a pretty solid defense. But I'm going to tell you something. If the Cowboys 
find a different result against the Niners in the playoffs, it's more than likely Dak Prescott in this revamped offense since the bye week getting the job done more than the defense, in my opinion. And the same for the Eagles. If Dallas beats the Eagles in week 14, and then maybe in a hypothetical playoff match, I would bet it's because of an aggressive passing offense that keeps up with those offenses instead of the Cowboys suddenly finding a way to stop the run, which is my biggest concern right now with Dallas. The fact that they rank 30th in rush success rate, defensively speaking, that is no bueno. That is not good at all for Dallas. And man, I'm nervous about it. I'm not going to lie. That's why I thought, hey, maybe bringing in Shaquille Leonard could work. Cowboys did let him out of the building. He is now headed to Philly, and he's going to visit the Eagles. I don't know what to make of those reports. I don't know if that's if that was the Cowboys not liking the medicals. I know in social media, people have suggested that those are the whispers going around. I don't know exactly what happened there, uh, but Shaq is now headed to Philly, and we'll see if he signs with the Eagles or if he ends up throwing the curveball and signing with the Cowboys maybe over the weekend or something like that. Uh, I would get very nervous if the Eagles do sign him, though, because Howie Roseman might find a way to make it work. And it would be very frustrating to see that happen in Philly, but not in Dallas. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on a little bit here on the show, because even if the Cowboys are facing a solid group of cornerbacks, as we've talked about here tonight, there is somebody that can really outweigh a good secondary. And that is quarterback Dak Prescott. We've talked about him a lot here on the show. I think every Cowboys fan has had conversations and maybe even heated debates about Dak because the fan base, a, a large portion of it does not approve of Dak. A large portion of it does approve of him. And the way that he is playing now, he's drawn national attention and national praise even from the talking heads that like to hate on him in screen for views. Now we're seeing their tunes change because suddenly there's not a way that you can criticize what's going on with Dak. He's truly playing at an MVP caliber level and somebody that is quite a somebody chimed in on, on Dak. The quarterback that was on the other side of Dak's first ever playoff game back in 2016, Aaron Rodgers had some praise for Dak Prescott. Now, when I say praise, I don't mean the typical coach speak or quarterback speak where quarterbacks are like, oh, yeah, he's doing a great job. He's developing. He's doing this thing right. No. Aaron Rodgers went for almost two full minutes detailing why Dak has become one of his favorite quarterbacks to watch. I'm going to roll the clip. Let's watch it together. And then I have a question for you in store. Let's listen to what Aaron Rodgers had to say about Dak. You know, Tom had some comments about, Brady had some comments about some of the mediocrity in the game. And I just want to say Dak is not who he was talking about Okay. Um, for a number of reasons. But I just love that it, he's really playing the position. What I mean by that is I'm watching him make Ringo calls. So that's protection adjustments against these crazy looks and picking things up. I'm watching him, uh, you know, bring the tight end back in against zero pressure and throw an old concept we used to run for a touchdown to CeeDee Lamb in the back of the zone. I'm watching him 
use his that's cadence, the Panthers game uh, beautifully, and and uh, and get into this rhythmic here we go into like uh, dummy using it as a dummy sometimes doing it twice into like other cadences. I mean, I've, the last four or five weeks I've gotten to see more of their games, and I just want to say like he's playing a position in a really impressive way. And for whatever reason, maybe because he's the Cowboys quarterback and it's one of those premier positions in sports, um, like I feel like the Green Bay quarterback has been for a long time and some other you know, positions in, in various sports, he might take a little more shit than, than he deserves or, or maybe it's deserving of the position, I guess. But I love the way he's playing and I love the way he's playing, like really playing. I'm not talking about just like, oh, making good throws. I'm talking about like, it seems more rare that guys are actually really playing a position where you're making adjustments, you're handling everything line of scrimmage. Now you're doing this crazy cadence stuff. Like I love it, and I just want to shout out Dak for like really impressing me. There you go. Love to see that from from Aaron Rodgers because as much fun as we like to make about some of his off the field personality stuff like toxic says the ayahuasca is doing the talking right there on the clip hey it might be but he is a damn good quarterback as we all know right multiple time mvp in the nfl but i love him going into detail as to what Dak prescott is doing not just saying oh yeah he's playing good and he's making these throws or he's a great leader but he actually went into detail as to what is making Dak prescott's play right now and he pointed out football IQ, IQ type stuff, right? He mentioned the play where he brings in Jake Ferguson against zero pressure in Carolina when he finds CD in the corner of the end zone. That's that play where he motions Jake inside. He stays to block. By the way, what a block from Jake in that particular instance. And then it's one-on-one uh, coverage from the Panthers, and Dak doesn't hesitate. But also the cadence stuff, the way that he commands the offense – And keep in mind, this is his first year in Mike McCarthy's offense. And yeah, it has a lot of what we've seen before on the offense, but the fact that he is such in control of an offense that is put together by a new offensive architect, by a a new play caller, is pretty impressive. Also on top of that, just consider the throws that he's making because he's pushing the ball downfield and he's being successful with it. We're seeing him become the highest-graded quarterback in PFF this season. He got the highest-graded game since 2007. And, yep, again, subjective grades and all that. But when all of that starts piling up and you see him lead the NFL in big-time throw percentage, you see him be the best in turnover-worthy play percentage, Dak is doing something special. And people like to talk about the opponents, and maybe that's fair, but... We're still seeing it against like Philly because he had a great game against Philly. So right now, my question from me to you is, is right now, that's the two key words here. Right now, is Dak Prescott playing like a top three quarterback in the NFL? Yes or no? That isn't the same as me asking you, is Dak a top three QB? Because maybe that gets a little bit more complicated. But right now, is Dak playing like one of the best three quarterbacks in the NFL? Yes or no? Let me know in the chat. 
how his thoughts on Jordan loves is Mark Aaron. <laughs> Mark says, yes. Tommy915 says, right now, absolutely. Katharina goes with the yes. Cam says, not really. Jimmy says, yes. Gregory says, hell yes. I'm going to be honest with you. I wouldn't say that Dak is a top three QB in the NFL. Like, once the season is over and we start ranking QBs again ahead of 2024, I'm likely not saying that Dak is top three in the NFL. But right now, I don't know who's playing better. I really couldn't tell you. We could look at Josh Allen's performance against Buffalo. And man, that's, that's an elite game right there from him. I still believe he's an elite QB. But over the last few weeks, and basically since the bye week, I don't think I've seen anyone do it as consistently and as good as Dak has been since the bye week. Toxic says Strout. Strout has been lights out. Strout has been lights out. I don't know if I would put him above Dak, but he, he has really played very well, and I've raved about him here on the show too. Mahomes is doing a great job as always, but hey, doesn't keep Dak out of the top three. And yes, he's doing a great job, by the way. I know the offense is not working right over there in Kansas, but it's not on Pat, I believe. Now, Cam says we have been playing easy-ass teams, and I think that's one of the biggest arguments that you can make against Dak's little run that he's on. But the one thing that I keep bringing back up is Philly isn't an easy-ass team, and they've got one of the best defensive lines in the NFL, and Terrence still allowed 12 pressures in that game, and yet he managed to carve up the secondary of the Eagles. Could he have found Jake Ferguson on that final play to maybe get the dub? Yep. But other than that, the other 99% of the game was pretty much perfect from that. Uh, Toxic says, I would say yes. Had to think about the rest of the league, though. This is Toxic. That's fair. I'm going to say yes, man. Dak Prescott right now playing like a top three quarterback in the NFL. And that is the biggest reason why you should have hopes in the Dallas Cowboys, in the 2023 Dallas Cowboys, because I do think this is something new. Now, this is a key part of it, and I've said this a lot on the show, but it's not only that Dak is looking good. It's not that the Cowboys are running their regular offense and he is looking better. It's that the Cowboys also shifted the mentality of the offense and started throwing more on early downs. They started to use more motion pre-snap, at the snap. They started to use a whole lot of trips formations and three-by-ones, and they started to change how they used C.D. Lamp even. They started to put him as the isolated receiver in multiple plays. And then all of that together, paired with Dak's play, has made him look like one of the best QBs, and suddenly you've got reasons to believe that this is coming from somewhere, and it is coming from the offensive shift that we've seen from Dallas since the bye week. If the Cowboys were doing the same old, same old, maybe I would understand being like, when we get to the playoffs, the Cowboys are going to lose. Maybe I would understand that a little bit more. Not even that they're going to lose, that they're going to underperform offensively, to be more accurate. But the fact that this is all stemming from a change in the way that the Cowboys are running the offense. That makes me hopeful for sure. 
as Toxic does say, man, there are no easy teams in the NFL. Why is Toxic team right now? I just realized that Toxic Tom is not Toxic Tom. He's Toxic team for the day. Uh, maybe I missed something. <laughs> Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on a little bit here on the show because I do got a sweepstake segment. Basically, not exactly. I'm kidding. But Dayron Bland. Let's talk about Dayron Bland again. He is uh, one of the most recurring themes and topics among Cowboys Nation, and rightfully so. The kid has five freaking pick sixes for the year, and that's the NFL record. There are still six more games left to go in the season, so he could add to it. And that's exactly what I want to dive into today. And I think the reason why I want to do it today is because Thursday night might provide some opportunities for Dayron Bland. Uh, these are the next few opponents for the Cowboys. Let me run through the schedule here very quickly. It's my screensaver on the phone. You've got the Seahawks at home for week 14. That is a Thursday night football game. Then you get the Bills. Excuse me, you get the... For week 13, it's the Seahawks. I'm sorry. Week 14, you host the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. And then you go visit the Buffalo Bills. You go visit the Miami Dolphins, two very pass-happy offenses. You host the Detroit Lions and Jared Goff. And then you play one more game against the Washington Commanders. This time you do it in Washington, though. So this time the Cowboys need to pack the warm benches. That being said, if you had to guess, if you had to guess, when is the game? What is the game where Dayron Bland has the highest chance of adding yet another pick six? Which one would it be? Would it be Geno Smith on Thursday? Would it be Hertz in week 14? Would it be Josh Allen in week 15? Tua Tungo by Loa in week 16? Jared Goff in 17? Or would it be 18 Washington Commanders? Sam Howell once again. That's a good question, I think. And let me tell you why. Very quickly, I'm going to tell you my answer here. Why I wanted to touch on this today. Because I believe the best chance at it might be this Thursday with Geno Smith. But let me see some of your comments here. Because we've got a mix of, of comments right now. We've got Mark going with Josh Allen. You got uh, Tommy going with Jalen Hurts, Katharina going with Gino, Gregory going with Philly, Toxic goes with Josh Allen because he's good for an interception a week. I'll go with that. Hurts, 14, 15, Tua, and 16, Allen, says Joey, uh, all of the above. Cam says Goff and Allen. It's an interesting combo, and I ranked them. I mean, I didn't rank them because it's not like an opinion, but this is the list. Number one being the quarterback with the highest turnover-worthy play percentage. And number six being that with the lowest. Some impressive results on that list according to PFF. Let me show you it right now. According to PFF, the quarterback with the most turnover-worthy plays percentage-wise is actually Geno. And you know that the Cowboys got get uh, Geno Smith a banged-up version of him on Thursday night football. You've got a potentially backup right tackle. We don't know yet if A. Lucas is going to return in time. But you've got a chance, a good chance to pressure Geno Smith on this game. And here's one 
specific aspect where I've noticed the, the Seahawks have struggled. Last year, DK Metcalf, big, physical, tall, actually led the NFL in contested throws sent his way with 47 of them. This year, he is down at 35th in the NFL in contested throw targets. He has 13 of them. And if you're wondering why would that change so drastically from one year to another, this might be why. He has one catch in those 13 attempts. And that includes two interceptions. So Blant might get some of those 50-50 looks against DK, and he might get some chances there. Now, even better is that Tyler Lockett is in the top 25, or tied for 26th, actually. So he's going to get looks, whoever lines up across from him, probably. So I like Gino's chances. I like Dayron's chances, excuse me, against Gino. That would probably get my boat as to when are we going to see the next pick six. And how insane would it be for him to have those three consecutive pick sixes? I think that would be just out of this world. Uh, according to PFF, Sam Howell is number two on the list. Tua Tungo by Law, number three. Jalen Hurts, number four. Goff is number five. And then you get Josh Allen at a shocking number six. He turns out he does not throw as many turnover-worthy plays as fans make it out to be. Obviously, he's got some high leverage interceptions, which would make sense as to how the public perceives him. But he's probably not as bad at, you know, risking the football as some people know or think that he is because that's the conversation right now. Similar to Dak's 2022 run, honestly, if you ask me at this point, uh, just people tend to agree that he's still an elite quarterback. Uh, maybe a wild card would be Jared Goff. I like that. I think it was Cam on the comments who actually went with Goff, or it was Bruce. Bruce and Cam said Goff and Allen. I like Jared Goff as a wild card. The reason why is Jared Goff can be a very good QB from a clean pocket. As soon as it gets blurry, as soon as it gets muddy in the trenches, Jared struggles. So, I would expect the Cowboys, even against such a good offensive line, to get some good pressure against Goff. And maybe we get to see a very different version of Jared when the time comes for Week 17, which should be a very fun game, if we are being honest. Uh, let's see some of your comments here before we move on. Let's see here. Um, Smith, too, I would think, says Cam. Yep. Let's see here. How many interceptions does Gino have this week? This year, I'll be honest with you, and I'm going to say, I don't know, but I'm going to open up his PFR very quickly here, Pro Football Reference. He's got eight interceptions in 2023. Not exactly sure where that ranks, but it's probably relatively high. Let's see here. Uh, do you know that 13 wide receivers have more touchdowns than Bland? It's crazy, says Mark. Yeah, it is absolutely insane how often. Dayron has scored this season. If he adds another one, like, damn. <laughs> his, his defensive player of the year odds have been slashed recently. And they're still pretty high. We had a show about it recently, but I, I still don't think that he wins it. But the fact that it's been trending so quickly in the right direction for him, 
is because of the value that each of these pick sixes provides. If he gets another one, maybe we see those odds be slashed in half yet again. If not, you know, pushing him closer to the top three favorites, which would be Miles Garrett, Micah, and TJ Watt as of right now. And he would be number four at plus 1,200, something like that, uh, plus 1,800. It depends really on where you look up these odds. All that being said, ladies and gentlemen, let's get out of here with the one cool thing of the week. For those of you who are new to the show, this is our random feel-good moment of the show. And this is where we get everyone to comment their one cool thing of the week. It can be something personal, professional, sports-related, not sports-related, whatever you want it to be. Drop it in the chat. What is your one cool thing of the week? I got to tell you, in my case, I wasn't really sure what to go with this Tuesday night. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look ahead in my own personal life. And in about a month, in about exactly a month, actually, more or less, you know, because babies are volatile, I'm going to be an uncle in about a month. I'm very excited about it. It's the first in the family, like out of the three brothers that we are, I have two brothers, older brothers. It's the first, you know, kid. So it's going to be so fun. She's going to be a girl about one month from now. Rene is going to be her name. She's going to be around and I'm going to be an uncle. I'm excited about that. I'm going to be a very fun uncle, I believe. The challenge will be getting her to be a Cowboys fan because my brother is a Broncos fan. Not exactly sure how that's going to work out. Might need to bribe her. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Catherine, this is congratulations. Thank you. Thank you to Joey as well. One cool thing, says Joey Bella. <laughs> Being able to say happy birthday to you, Mauricio. Man, I, that running gag still going. I'm impressed about it. But it is still funny to me, so maybe that's why it also exists. Uh, 602. Oh, no, I think people are talking about Phoenix area codes right there. Let's see here, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to Joy Bella. Thank you to Mark Aaron. Who's all, just throwing some laughing emojis right there. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think we're going to get a lot of one cool things here on the show. But I do appreciate you taking the time to listen to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. Thank you for everybody uh, to everybody for tuning in. Talk success. He got an award at work, but most importantly, it came with cash. Money talks and Diaz walks. There you go, Toxic. Enjoy the money, man. Enjoy. Uh, do something with it ahead of the holidays. Buy something nice. Uh, that's what I would do. Maybe don't do that. I I'm not going to give you financial advice. Don't worry. Plus, you're an accountant, Toxic. You don't need it. Most new haircut. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Tio Mauricius is Joe Gonzalez. Yeah, Tio. Hey. Man, she's going to call me Tio. I, I had not thought about that. Joe, Yo, you just gave me goosebumps, man. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Hit the like button and see you tomorrow, 8 p.m. Central. Muchísimas gracias y bye-bye.